0: Hey, y'all. I've only got about 25 seconds to get in all the games you will hear about on this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. So here we go. Maple Tower, The New Seven Wonders, Tournament at
1: Avalon, Yido, Mercado de Lisboa, a deep dive into Nevada City. Adam will join Marty on talking about Crip Hunters, and you'll hear about mine and Marty's freaky experience with Darkfield Radio. Did I finish in time? You did it!
0: Welcome back to another exciting edge-of-your-seat discussion at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 208,
1: Wanted, Dead or Alive. I'm Tony. I'm Marty. And Tony, I must say, I think this episode actually might be one of the best episodes we've ever done in 200 episodes. So I don't know why you would say that. Look, let me let's look over our show notes real quick. Let me read... I stand corrected. Actually, this is just going to be a typical rolling dice and taking episodes, So don't, nobody expect anything else. Really, any different? Never mind. I thought there was really something special there. I mean, I'm, I mean, it's it's decent stuff, I guess. But it's probably not going to be the best episode of all time. So if people just want to, you know, turn off now and leave, we totally understand.
0: Uh, I mean, when you look at our show notes, I mean, we're covering things yes. that have um, been out. Yes. Um, a couple new games. Yes. And so, you know, is there anything that people need to grasp or listen to us for? Information to help them decide (laughs) their buying needs. Have we ever
1: given anybody any information that they need to
0: listen yes, to? Yes, yes, they have. Well, they've heard some of our Kickstarter interviews, some very good Kickstarter interviews where we have uh, people Okay, on. when
1: we've had guests on,
0: I'll give you that. And tonight, they can be sitting here thinking, you know, we've been playing the same games over and over and over. Is there anything new to be added? I mean, there were some, a few kicks, big Kickstarters that were delivered and we we'll are going to be talking about those. We hinted at one that um, was being revamped. I'm going to talk briefly about that. Mm-hmm. To your point, is there anything really Riveting? On the edge of your seat? Maybe not. Maybe I misled everybody at the beginning. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, speaking at the edge of your seat, get this. I got to sit at the edge of a seat of a movie theater this press Friday. Yes, the first time since either January or February, we got to go see a movie in an actual movie theater and we saw Tenet. I know nothing about this movie. I said it entirely wrong. It's Tenet. I always say T-E-N-E-N-T, but it's Tenet. This is the latest Christopher Nolan movie. You know, the guy who did Inception, Memento, Mm -hmm. Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. Uh, This actually would have been one of my dark horse picks or one of my picks if we had had our summer movie picks, because Christopher Nolan movies always do well. And you were able to go to this theater because it broke rules? no. Theaters in South Carolina are open at 50% capacity. Oh, The rules, they were very strict. You must go in with a mask. You do not get to take off your mask until you sit in the theater. Every other row was blocked. When you sat with your party, there had to be at least three seats between you and any other party on that row. And people were more than spread out than that. Probably the closest we ever got to anybody all night long was, was 12 feet. So it was like one of those things, it was way safer than what we felt than even just going to Target or the grocery store. So how is a movie theater going to be able to support that? They need A's in seats. All right. So you want me to tell you how they're going to do it? Popcorn. Because of this one policy right here, no refills on popcorn.
0: I've never been able to get a refill on popcorn.
1: When you buy a large tub of popcorn, it's not refillable?
0: Well, see, maybe that's the difference. I never buy a large. I buy I bought the annual one and it was never refillable.
1: Large tubs of popcorn and large drinks are now refillable, but because they don't want to, you know, be taking Mm. back a container and stuff like that, they've nixed that. So either you're going to buy multiple things of popcorn or, you know, instead of one large tub, you may get two large bags to split among people. So it's going to be made up at the concession stands. Obviously the tickets aren't still uh, cheap at all, but here's the thing. It's they're making more money than what they were two weeks ago when they were closed.
0: Yes, they are paying salaries, and that's always good for the economy. Get those salaries going. Get those people going.
1: Yes, and I think it's minimally ran. Like, there was only one person at the concession stand, one person in the uh, box office. There weren't a lot of employees I saw around the theater.
0: So, when if I were ever to make it back to AMC in my local theater in North Carolina, which has not opened up, they may have opened it up this Labor Day. Nope. 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 We checked. You checked? We would have gone to a North Carolina theater if it had been open. So I, I'm excited for you that you got to go do that. We have not done that yet. I'm not sure my wife will is at that comfort level yet, even though...
1: Oh, I totally understand yeah. that. Yeah.
0: But I mean, you yeah. said it was very safe and very uh, accommodating.
1: Yes, v- very much so. Like I said, you definitely are, end up closer to people in the grocery store... And just having to go shopping for, for goods and stuff than you, you did here. Now, as far as the movie itself, are you a Christopher Nolan fan?
0: I enjoyed Dunkirk. I enjoyed Inception. Yes. I just okay. I just did not know anything about this movie. And I have not watched your Facebook review yet, which, which okay. you never do spoilers for. Thank you.
1: Nope, I, I never do. So this is one of those really out there movies. I think even more out there than Inception, but it's more Inception-like than Dunkirk excluding Batman movies and I have not seen Interstellar which I still need to see here's my ranking of Nolan movies it would be Inception Dunkirk Memento Tenet not to say Tenet is bad I don't think Nolan makes a very bad any bad movies But um, of those four, it's probably my least favorite. But I need to see it again because it was really hard to hear the dialogue. I don't understand why they mixed it the way they did, but the music and special effects were super loud and the dialogue was really low. So I need to watch it again with subtitles turned on because there's so many bizarre things happening that you really need to hear the dialogue and sometimes you just can't. That's the way it seems with all movies now. I think they need to get that rumble
0: effect in your seat. And so they... Crank up the special effects and keep the dialogue real low, or even in a movie where there's not that much, it's um, it's like oh my gosh,
1: and then the gunfire about blast you out of the seat. So it was nice to sit there. We got to see what uh, what uh, trailers did we see? We saw Greenland, which looks pretty good, which is basically it's a it's a disaster movie asteroids are gonna be crashing into the earth and gerard butler's trying to get his family to greenland trailer for dune a lot of people are excited about dune what's one of those i really want to read dune before the movie comes out and i heard the first movie is just the first two books which isn't too bad so i may try tackling that okay
0: so you're going reading is fundamental
1: yes i just think i enjoy movies more if they come from books and i've read the books beforehand
0: But when you become disappointed at that point, because, you know, a lot of people say, well, it didn't follow the book and I'm disappointed because the first Dune movie, you know, there was a lot of, oh, this isn't that great. You know, there was a lot of problems Mm. and I I hadn't seen that movie in forever and I rewatched it like a year ago and I'm just like, this has not held
1: up. Well, I mean, it's like one of those things that, you know, Lord of the Rings didn't stick exactly to the books, but I didn't have any issues with it. Exactly. matter of fact, I think they did a good job of cutting
0: out the parts that I kind of fell asleep through while reading.
1: Which is the first half of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah.
0: Going through the forest. I know everybody. Yep. Tom. Yeah. Okay, fine.
1: Tom Bombadil. Yep. Send me
0: the hate mail now. I'm fine with that. So, Well, I'm glad you were able to get out into the real world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I get out in the real world on Thursdays.
1: Yes, we do. We call it what's it, just Ice Cream
0: Thursdays now. Ice Cream Thursday. Get a free ice cream. Now, I'm <laughs> going to tell you, I think our, our play buddy, Bert, is going to go ballistic. If they don't have chocolate this week.
1: So we go to a place called Jason's Deli. And it's one of those uh, little perks there. When you order a meal there, they just have free ice cream for anybody that wants it. And it's a saucer of ice cream. It's typically one of those where you have one handle disperses chocolate, one handle disperses vanilla, and one handle in the middle does a mix. But for the past several weeks, it's been chocolate only. Nope, vanilla only. Sorry.
0: I can understand them not wanting to run both of them because they just don't have the volume of people in there. But it's nice of them to actually offer it for those who come in and dine. Well, I prefer vanilla. No, I do too. But you like the fudge on top of it. I mean,
1: I, I do like the fudge. And in fact, uh, just this uh, yesterday, Vanessa made her last batch of homemade Christ ice cream for the year. She usually makes one batch over Labor Day weekend. So we had homemade vanilla here with hot fudge. I had a big helping before we got on tonight. So I'm stuffed now. And you are going to be comatose. Probably so. Yeah, so you're going to have to do a lot of talking. Oh, this is not going to go well. Well,
0: this show will be over in 30 minutes. <laughs> because I spent all day out on the lake, splashing in the water sitting on the boat having lunch on the boat and this is our friend's boat
1: wait a minute i thought donna wasn't going out and hanging out with people
0: certain rules apply there are always rules okay and these people are very very they're as cautious as she is in other words they don't go anywhere there's there's underlying health reasons and so they're like okay we know that y'all pretty much stay, except for that crazy one there pointing at me but i'm like we're very safe we're very cautious And they're like okay that's good so yeah, that she'll go do that.
1: Yeah, but you merged your bubbles. That's all it takes is one merge of a bubble, one person to have it, and it's over. Thank you for adding to the pandemic.
0: Back at you, Mister Theater Boy.
1: Hey, we were nowhere close to anybody. Like I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm tired
0: of it. I'm like you. I'm just, I'm tired of all of it. Everybody's tired of it. I, I'm just right? ready. I mean, ready. I mean it. it's not going to go fine. I'm just, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of listening about it. I'm just. (laughs)
1: uh, You know what? Once a week now, I do a Google search update on vaccine for COVID. (laughs) Because I want to see where are we in the trials? Who's close? When's this sucker going to be coming? Which
0: country? Is it really going to work? Is it going to mutate? Is it really that? that, that? And then we got the flu season coming. So we got to go get that shot taken care of. Now, I will say we are on a kick here at the house of four playing Carcassonne.
1: Yeah, you told me about that. Now, was Donna into Carcassonne before now and you just got, kind of got back into it?
0: So she asked me, let's play a game that I've played before, but I haven't played in a while. And so I brought out Carcassonne. She really loves it. She loves tile laying games and we've kept the very base rules. We're not even we, we do play with the River expansion, but we've kept everything else in. It. We haven't moved to the farms yet. She she just likes the base base rules. Hey, it's good times to be able to sit there and play. On top of that, you know, we um also broke out the new patchwork Americana that's coming out. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we played that. And I will say from that standpoint, old patchwork, new patchwork, it's just different graphics. Okay. And overall, uh, the only thing I've got to say about it is I like how some of the pieces have lines on them. So it's easier for you to know, well, that piece is going to cover up four sections on the mm-hmm. board versus say, is that three, you know, I'd have to put it on your board and, and see if it's going to fit. You're able to see it. However, the buttons are very, very hard to see on these boards. They're white and gray, and they will sometimes blend in with the patterns that they've picked. I'd go, okay, now how many buttons do I have again? For some odd reason, my memory attention was not there last night. I had to keep counting my stupid buttons And I was like, okay, oh, I just missed another one. All right, start over again. I've got da 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 -da. And Donna was having the same issue. So if you have patchwork, you do not need patchwork Americana.
1: No rules changes whatsoever. It's just straight
0: graphics. If there were, I missed them because I did a quick read of it. And we can talk about what happens when you do a quick read of rules later in the show. Fair. And I did not see any. I went through the setup. I made sure all that was the same. The play style was the same. I'm like, okay, am I missing anything? All the pieces are the exact same pieces in the original. There's no changes, no funky pieces or anything like that. You know, I was comparing all of that. It's all artwork. That's really all it is. So if you miss the original patchwork and you're like, okay, maybe Americana, you may like the style of it.
1: Okay. That's cool. So is the original patchwork is still available, right? It's not like, well, this one came out because the other one's hard to get or anything or, or do you even know? I do not I mean, know. I, I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure we ever got a reason why this version was coming out, uh, except just to have, like you said, different patterns or to try to try to get us Americans to buy anything with a, that's Americanized.
0: Right. And the patterns are red, white, and blue, a lot of red white, and white, blue colors. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Uh, from the standpoint of, it, it's definitely different than the old one. But I think the biggest positive is lines in the patterns to help you be able to count the number of squares they're going to take up. Biggest n- drawback for me was seeing the buttons, but that could just be on me. But I, I, Donna had trouble seeing the buttons as well. Where are the buttons on this?
1: It's funny that you you bring that up because actually several things we're going to talk about tonight is basically a refreshing of an old game. Mm-hmm. With a very few tweaks, but it's it's a lot of, you know, updates to artwork and graphics and everything like that with maybe a tweak or two here. So, and it's kind of, been, it's one of the patterns we're starting to see, right? Classic games, been out for a while, hard to find, relaunch them with some new skin and, and try to get some more life out of them. And, and I appreciate some of those. And one of those we're going to talk about later tonight, I really was excited because I never got to play it when it came out like eight years ago.
0: One of the other ones that just came out is new seven wonders. It's got new graphics and new arts. I mean, we were able to get a, a copy of that. And here's a guy who has all the expansions, except one. I don't have leaders and the new seven mm-hmm. wonders has come out. Should I, if I have seven wonders, should I get the new copy? And we talked about this on an earlier show. Is it really necessary? And the answer of course is unless you've worn out your old one, not really. They've made some really nice improvements. I'll admit, Marty. Yes being able to see how the buildings can build on themselves and how things contribute and help you out, you know, figure out. So you don't forget that. Oh, you know, if I build the baths and I get this one for free, I don't have to build, get, give, have the resources for that next structure. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Player boards are nice.
1: So, yeah, I was going to ask. So it's mainly aesthetics, right? Mm -hmm. It's some graphic design, some layouts, and you say it's easier to read, easier to, Uh, the cards bigger as didn't want some stuff made bigger and stuff. Yeah. uh, Well, the, the wonders are made
0: bigger and, but you cannot use your old expansions. So I started thinking from, from that standpoint, am I going to go back and replace my old expansions? And the answer is no. Because every time I bring this out to teach people, because Seven Wonders is still one of my gateway games, it's still one of my favorites, it's still one of the easiest to teach. So I'm very, very happy with this new edition.
1: So that's the question then. So people come over, you want to introduce this game, you're not going to pull out the original Seven Wonders, you're going to use this one instead? I'm going
0: to use this one because I never play with the expansions now.
1: Right. Well, I'm just saying because you feel that these updates do help maybe a newer player pick up on things and not miss exactly
0: exactly so
1: if you got rid of
0: it said hey you know i don't have seven wonders in my collection anymore i traded it off we never play it but as things progress and you want to maybe bring it back i would definitely look towards getting the new seven wonders
1: i think it looks sharp i the the full cover and everything looks nice on the front I it's a nice looking package. Uh, we got, I never got to see inside of it. Uh, you, you got it opened up. So I was very curious to see what you hear. I've seen pictures of it, but I've heard in person, it's, it looks more impressive. Yes.
0: Now I have not tried to transfer my broken token insert. That's the broken token.com insert for it, but it won't work. Well, player boards are different sizes, there you, right? There you go. So Greg's got to get some retooling over there at the broken
1: <laughs> for all your insert needs for your board game. This probably will replace the old version. I'm speculating that there's no need for them to have two versions of the base game that they won't make the other one anymore. And it's just to have this, this one. This is why they had to remake and re-release all the expansions. And
0: the game's old.
1: Yeah, it is. I'm really, Tony, I'm kind of surprised that the base game just didn't include a couple expansions as opposed to having to buy them separately. The only thing that I will
0: try to get and hope that they re-release is more of the, Wonders, the, the player boards, the wonders, you know, I'm building a wonder, yes. which in my house, if you build a wonder, you have to chant. That is a rule here in, in the McCree household. So I hope that they redo all of those because those I will definitely get. And I will probably look at Armada as well. I don't, I, I, playing cities, you know, people really, they, they it was either a hit or miss. Babel, mm-hmm. I loved Babel, but no one else did. <laughs> Did you like leaders? I, I didn't have leaders. I, I always heard, don't okay. bother with leaders, bother okay. with cities. And then, of course, and once I got cities and I had to get Babel because Babel had a cool mechanic, you know, putting down the yep. tiles and changing things uh, as you were building that up. But no one else liked that. I'm like, y'all stink. So there's another retooling, patchwork, and now, you know, the new
1: Seven Wonders. So let me ask you this you talked about Seven Wonders being a good gateway game for people who haven't played games. What would you bring out first? For those people, uh, Pandemic or Seven Wonders? If I get to pick, I'm bringing out Seven Wonders. Yeah, I would too. Pandemic's probably easier for people because it's co-op, but I, I'm I'm like you. It's Seven Wonders for me too. To your point, I brought out Pandemic. And it was basically, it was me, Donna, and the people
0: who we were on the boat with. They sat down and played this game with us. And we were teaching it. And I could just see the blank expressions.
1: Oh, that's the worst. That is the worst when you see that. You could tell what you're saying is just not getting through at all.
0: And and they're not following along until we slowly get into the game. And then we had a fairly easy time in Pandemic. The cards lined up perfectly. And I just felt like, you know, Don and I played the game and they just sat there and did what we
1: told them to do. Which happens with Pandemic.
0: It does. But Seven Wonders, you know, the hard thing to overcome is telling them about the resources. And the and right. the scoring at the end, because if you don't get that scoring down, you know if that science person gets out there and gets way ahead, they're going to decimate everybody. So if the card drafting is not done well. Then at the end, it's like, oh my gosh, you got that many points? And it's like, yeah, yep. yeah, I did.
1: So here's something. It's not a remake of a board game. That uh, It's not even a board game at all that Vanessa and I got to experience. There was a PR person that reached out to us and said, hey, we was wondering if if you would like to try out this new audio experience that we have called Dark Field Radio. And it's this new thing that they're going to be coming out with where people can actually buy tickets and participate in. And so when I went to the website and looked at it, The concept is, is at a certain time during the day, you you get tickets and like 750 for two people and you basically download an app and it instructs you to, for this particular one that we play, they say sit uh, across from each other like a table, a kitchen table. Make sure it's quiet, that you will have no interruptions. Both of you download the app, plug in headphones, put in the headphones, and then like five minutes before start time, which is like 7 p.m. for us. Uh, You enter in a code and and hit go and just sits there and it like plays music for you. And then at seven o'clock, it begins. And I don't want to spoil too much because it's one of those experiences that people need to go through without having any preconceived notion of what it is to really appreciate it. But I'll say it's like this. It's like sitting and listening to an old radio show, except it's an audio experience. And by the name, Darkfield Radio will kind of tell you it's probably going to be a, maybe a little bit on the eerie and creepy side. After this was over, I went and looked this up and I thought this is something new that this is not. There's actually locations that have been around like over in the UK where you can go and participate in these things where you actually go to a location. And there's one called Seance where you're sitting in with a group of people and you all put on headphones and kind of experience this oral A-U-R-A-L audio experience together. Well, since we can't do that now, they said, well, let's have a way to provide it so people can in their own homes experience this. And I will say, Tony, after 20 minutes of this, Vanessa and I were blown away. We're like, that was amazing. And people say, what was it? I "I, I don't want to tell you because that's part of the experience is just sitting in and being a part of it. And I know I'm being so vague about this. Yeah, you see this blank expression on my face over here? There's the blank expression. But that's the thing. When I read it, I had the blank expression too. It's like I told Vanessa, I have no clue what this is, but it's just 20 minutes long. It's like a story you sit and listen to. And 20 minutes later, our heartbeats were high. Our blood pressures were high. It, it had an emotional and physical impact on us. I'll just say that. And it was all done through story, sound effects, and setting an environment and tone as you spent your 20 minutes listening to this show. Okay. So you are being engaged in a radio show. Yeah. So here's the thing. You just don't start it. You have to buy tickets. There's a start time, but you don't interact with anybody Mm -hmm. else. It's not like you're participating with anybody else. It could be just you. More than likely, it's all over the world. People are sitting down and participating in this at the same time and the only person you're really interacting with is the other person in the room with you you don't even interact with the app basically you just put your phone down and don't they even tell you just put the phone face down don't even look at the screen all you need to do is just have an have earbuds and just listen that's it just sit and listen i'll just give you this we were freaked out and how much was this? Okay, I was wrong earlier. It's not $750 for a couple. It's $750 per person, one ticket per participant. And for this particular episode, it's called Double. And it says Double has been designed for two people to experience together across a kitchen table from one another. We recommend it uh, to be experienced this way. However, if you're alone, you can video call a friend and place them across the table from you as long as you can fully see each other. Do this via another device as your phone is required for the experience. We strongly recommend you try and experience it physically with someone else for maximum effect. And that's all you're told. Wow, that's a leap of faith. If you and your uh, partner, significant other want something to do one night, and again, so it's going to be, what, $15 for both of you, it's worth doing one time. Well, you wouldn't want to do it again because that you, it's kind of a spoilery sort of thing. But it's trippy, man. It's trippy. Okay. So there you go. So it's at darkfield.org if you want to find out more information.
0: And all I'm doing is sitting across my table from my wife— Staring at puzzle pieces. And I appreciate all the feedback we got on the puzzle segment from the last show. Another one is working. We're right now, Marty, working on 1500 mirror puzzle. See, once again, I am so tired of COVID. <laughs> I'm actually putting puzzles together, man. I'm putting puzzles together. <laughs> oh, I've never been a puzzle person, but now there's joy in looking, finding a puzzle piece to go in a spot. I'm like, what has it become? Where have, where have I gotten to? Oh my gosh. Oh, I remember doing puzzles with Rebecca. Did you do puzzles with the boys?
1: Uh, no. No. I loved doing puzzles as a kid, but they never got into no. it. So.
0: Rebecca had this one Bugs Bunny 100-piece puzzle. Oh, I hated that puzzle. It was so co- it was Bugs Bunny. How complicated could it be? Puzzles, puzzles, puzzles. We got a couple more coming. We're so excited for those, and you'll hear more about that later on the show. But she did take a break from the puzzle. She said, all right, let's play one more game. So we sat down and played a new game from WizKid called Meeple Towers. And I'm just going to read straight from BGG because I'm lazy. You are a master builder. <laughs> Strategically build your tower to provide the best amenities for your residents. Recruit new workers, raise up sturdy support beams, and stack tiles to create a multi-level 3D structure. Score points based on your contributions, your supporting structures, and how good you make your life for your meeples. The builder with the most points wins. Okay. It's an abstract game. Okay. So you are trying to place a... Structures so that you can put various size tiles on these structures, and when you do that, you will score points based on how many columns are yours and the size of the structure that you're able to put it on. Because stru- the the columns have been engineered so that they had to be put in certain positions. All right, you just can't willy nilly put them. Well, you can, you can willy nilly put them anywhere on the board, but they have to be in specific points before you place that tile on top of it. So you're basically building a little high rise. And when you do that, you will get points and the way you're able to build structures or place tiles or put meeples into the house, move them in is if when you, you have action cards and the action cards have an A and a B on them. And one action may be, Hey, you're going to put into structures. Another action may be, hey, you may place a meeple on a purple square and you have to mm-hmm. pick and everybody has the same seven actions or seven cards or how many cards there are in this game. You can sit there. What was that game we were playing? Oh man, it just came to me that we're, you know, oh, Tony has played this game, this card. So I know he doesn't have it in his hands. So therefore maybe I, I need to hold on to it. You know, we've played multiple games like this, right?
1: Yeah, but I know what you're referencing and and right in the middle of a show to pull that out. Well, it came to me. It was like, boom, it hit
0: me. I said, well, we've done this. I understand. Yeah. And so that's the strategy of the game. Knowing what the other person has played, knowing because they've got the same thing in their hand. How can they mess you up or how can you mess them up to score the points? Mm -hmm. Because when you put a tile or a layer above a meeple that's on there, he comes off And you get a blind victory point from a pool based on the color. Simple, easy, until when you pull that meeple off and you knock everything over. Then things (laughs) get very frustrating for you, especially when you got sausage fingers like myself or my hands inadvertently bump it. So this is a great young person game, play with the family. Uh I mean, it says ages 12 and up. Uh, I, can, I can see, you know, 10 and up. It's not it's not that deep. There's some strategy, and there are some advanced rules that were, if you and I were to play this, we would play with the advanced rules of where you can remove a structure and place a meeple. You can make it so that you can remove your structure, and I can replace it with my meeple. So it's a little take that action.
1: So how long does it play?
0: Uh, it's about 45 minutes. Unless you knock the tower over, then it becomes about three hours. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst. That's, oh, <laughs> it's designed by it's designed by Aaron Holland, and it looks cute. It it is cute. It's fun.
1: It has a table appeal, right? So it's like, what are you playing over here for sure? Yeah,
0: Maple Tower, and and the base maps can be adjusted based on the number of players. You can, you know, based on the grid, the size. The only thing I can say is there are just set number of tiles to be put on top. So you just mm-hmm. have to think through that and. There are restrictions on how many structures you can stack, but you can really mess people up on, oh, now they can't build a tile. But if I do this card, then they get all the victory points. So you have to play according to that or keep that in mind as you're playing. So (laughs) cute game, cute game from WizKids. You know, if you see it around, possibly give it a try. If we were had been at Mega MooseCon, I would have
1: brought it, but we weren't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay all right. All, right. All, right. all right good point so while you were just talking about that you're just talking about you know how can you possibly you know stick it to one another like that you and i got to play a game at uh Uh, Ice Cream Thursdays from WizKids Games called Tournament at Avalon, uh, which is a follow-up standalone expansion to WizKids' very popular Tournament at Camelot. I can't remember. Did you say you had played Tournament at Camelot before? I think so, because when you brought this, I'm like, this
0: looks like the same. This is like a game I've already played.
1: I wanted to bring it out on the table because you and I like our trick-taking games. And I thought this was a trick-taking game with a unique twist in that. You know how when you... uh, sometimes an old Pasha or spades, like there's just, you, you bid blind and you say, I'm not, I'm going to go null. You mm-hmm. don't want to take tricks. This is a game where the whole goal is not to take tricks, right? So it's an interesting twit. Usually in trick taking games, many times it's, you wanted to grab the twit, a uh, trick. But a majority of the time, unless there's a little twist, which can happen in the game, you don't want them at all. And that's what kind of this game is all about because taking tricks in this game deals damage to you. And you start off the game with a certain amount of health. And at the very end of the round, you're going to add up all the cards that you've taken in your trick and you're going to be dealt damage from them. And then once you get to zero points, the person with the highest left health wins. But Tony, this is one of those games that kind of, puts things on its ear right because you start out the special everybody plays as a special character that has a special ability, and as you take damage once you get below a threshold. Uh, your character has a companion card that activates. So it has almost like a little built-in catch-up mechanics, right? Mm-hmm. The more damage you take, the more powerful you're going to get. Because then these uh, other cards, like these god cards, come out that you can start using in, uh, during your game. But that the person in the lead doesn't ever get to take advantage of those.
0: And it has the hearts mechanic of Passing cards.
1: Oh, yep.
0: Yep. So you're doing that. So when you put it on the table and you're explaining it, you know, I've played a game that you enjoy, stick them. You know, I'm like, is this going to be like that? I understand the concepts of you're not wanting to take tricks, but I had to completely change my thought process in how I play cards because I play a lot of cards, play a lot, of, a lot, a lot, yes. a lot of cards. Even now, I, we I play online all the time. We play Shaw online uh, probably once every other week with people. Um, friends of ours. And so I'm sitting here talking about, and these are card terms, you know, okay, I need to short suit myself when I'm passing cards. How can I do this? Mm -hmm. How do this? You've got to rewire your brain when you're playing this game, because I don't want to take this trick, but I'm, he's going to pass me high cards. Marty is going to give me high cards because that's just how he protects himself. So I've got to have enough in a suit to be able to slough it off because if I can't play this card, then I can slough off a high card or there may be some other functions of suits that come into play in this game that can impact how you're doing or the special effects. That to me was the challenge.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things too. uh, There's one rule I really like in this game is that if you play the same value card as another card that's already been played. Then they faint against each other, which means neither one of you will take that trick. Which all of a sudden, you think you're safe from taking a trick, and these two people cancel out the cards, and all of a sudden, you're stuck with that trick. You
0: have to keep in mind, though, and this is what I didn't really understand about the fainting, because you're like, well, if he plays the same value, well, you have to follow suit, so that's not going to happen. There is a wild card, a wild suit. Alchemy. Right, and it can be played at any time. Even if you have a card in your hand, once again, rewiring the brain when you play a lot of card games.
1: I don't know. I, I like it. And it's one of those things that right, it's there's a lot of luck involved too because we were playing with Bert. Bert was blowing us away. And I happened to get at the very last hand a godsend card, and that's one of those special cards that you get when you're when you've been hurt a lot, It's kind of a catch up mechanic that said, Oh yeah, by the way, at the end of this round. I, the person who has his card, will tell everybody to take all the cards that they won that round and pass them to your left or to your right. Tony, you talking about a brain burn at that point. You know, I want to make sure that the cards I get don't hurt me. So that means I want to make sure that either you or Bert don't have a lot of cards that you've taken so that I can take your hand in return. Well, what ended up happening was I was able to give... Bert, a lot of cards that you had, which did a lot of damage to him, would actually help me win the game. So, a, again, last turn, godsend card changed the entire dynamic of the game.
0: And I was looking when we when that was going on. I'm looking at it like I hope I can shoot the moon. Another card term where I can get all the tricks. You know, I can take them. Yes. I, I can bring them all because if they're all on me, if I take them all, then I don't care who you're going to give it to Bert. Yep. All right, that's fine. And then I said, Well, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. If that happens, then all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to lose because you're going to say, "Well, pass to Bert." You're going to start taking tricks.
2: <laughs> That's right. And you,
0: because you're, because that means Bert's not going to. take. So you know, so you're looking at which person is not going to take. So suddenly everything shifted. That dynamic shifted to how do I win tricks?
1: That's why I said, like, typically you're trying to lose, except in these situations. Look. I like it. I think it's a fun twist on a trick-taking game. Again, we play with just three people, but it will play up to six players. And I've played with five. I played the original with five, and it is just crazy. With you passing cards left and right, everybody having special abilities that you're trying to keep track of. I I love it. Tournament at Avalon from WizKids Games, either it or Tournament at Camelot, I highly recommend if you like trick-taking games. And this is just one that turns the whole genre on its ear.
0: I enjoyed it. Not one of my favorite card games. I'm glad you have it. I mean, it'll be, you put it on the table, I'm going to play it. It's a card game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I'd like to get sticking back on the table to play that. I mean, you let me borrow Pop-Tarts. I can't wait to try that out here. I need to get find an additional player for that. Um, we, you and Vanessa talked about that game, so I'm excited to play it. A lot of new card games. And, you know, plenty of hand sanitizer, and you can play card games with anybody.
1: <laughs> That's
0: right. I mean, I'll, let's let's face facts. But before we cut over to a commercial, I would like to talk a little switch. So I've gotten into Skyrim. Yes, and you know, you kidding me about I had never heard the thing about I took a knee to I took an arrow to the knee. Correct. I haven't heard it yet. Have you finally heard no, it? I haven't heard it yet. Oh my gosh! But but I had to restart because I felt like I was not playing very well and didn't really understand. Mm-hmm. But something is driving me crazy in this game, Marty. Absolutely. Okay, what's that? I'm I'm nuts. So I got this female character. I'm running through everything, and she takes an arrow to the shoulder. She took an arrow to the thigh. She took an arrow to the chest, okay? Mm -hmm. If it were me, I'd be dead, but she's still kicking along. I guess her armor took it. And she's still running around with these arrows sticking out of her. And I'm like, why are the graphics not cleaned up? Why am I running around with these sticks, shaking as I'm running around. And when I'd go talk to someone, they would look at me and go, you don't look so well. <laughs> I'm like, well, I got three arrows sticking out of me. What do you, how, how can I look well with three arrows? And come to find out I had gotten bit by some rat thing. Okay. So they've done something to me. So I need to go cure that. So I found my cure, my, uh, cure potion, uh, and now no one's telling me I look so bad. I don't look good anymore. They, don't, they stopped saying that. However, I still have three arrows sticking out of me. So I'm Googling, you know, how do I clean up the graphics? This game is old. How do I get this out? Because this is, this is just frustrating me for no reason. It doesn't do anything to me in the game. And you know what the answer was? Take more arrows to the knee. I'm like, what? Eventually, the game will catch up and do a full cleanup but you have to take a whole oh. bunch of arrows and I'm like, but I will die and I may need to die. I don't know. I haven't died yet with this character. Maybe I'll just go out there and attack a giant for the fun of
1: it. I would not do that.
0: No, that's a bad move. Cause do do yeah. they, do they hold grudges?
2: I don't know if they hold grudges, but they throw you straight up in the air and it's really annoying. That was kind of fun. That did happen to my older character.
0: <laughs> but then you're all gaga about this Mario 35th thing. I don't like, you know, side-scrolling platform games. I've never liked to jump
1: platform games.
0: What am I missing here? If I don't do this Mario thing that you're all gaga about
1: that ends in March, what am I missing? You're not missing anything. If you don't like the old Super Mario Brothers platform jumpers, then you're not missing a thing. It's just an extremely popular game. It's the 35th anniversary. It's going to be a limited release for some dumb reason. I don't know why. I never finished Mario Galaxy, which is considered one of the better Mario games. So I'm curious about playing it. I was never a big fan of Sunshine, Mario Sunshine, which is on there. And then Mario 64 is just a classic game. But I know my boys want it because they never got to play through 64. Mario 64, which is considered... I didn't realize this. uh, Adam watches a lot of historical videos on video games, but supposedly... The Mario 64 design is historically one of the best design games of all time. And uh, so he was kind of wanting to experience. So we're going to order one copy and just probably pass it around, Mm -hmm. you know, all of us. I want to play Galaxy. I think they want to play 64 and something. They probably play Galaxy again, too, but they've already played it all. So back to your question. If you're not a big platform gamer, then skip it. You don't need it. And
0: see, I played Galaxy and it doesn't resonate with me. I probably. Okay. But well then don't yeah, play I probably play I
1: played 64. and Okay. Don't get it. But you know, you feel like you're missing because you're going like, oh, no, no, no. Don't get it. Yeah. You're always, I'm not trying to look at me. I'm not trying to push you to get it. Skip it. Don't get it. I'm saving you 60 bucks. Spend something. No, because I know what you're
0: going to do. You're going to order, <laughs> you're going to order this up. You're going to order two copies. I know you. You're going to order two copies. Nope. You're going to order two. Nope. Yeah. Yes, you will. Nope.
1: No, I'm not. And then you're going to eBay one of them. Nope, I'm not because I'm not going to be one of those people with this. I'm sorry. You got six months to get it. It ain't going to be worth a lot. It just ain't. There was a 25th anniversary uh, limited edition of Mario, and it's it's holding its value, but it's not going up. So I don't think this one will either. This is going to be a super popular game. This is going to be pot- potentially the top selling game of the year. I'm trying to think of what other games came out. Oh, Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out. That's going to be a big seller. But I think... This will probably be the biggest selling yeah. game, and they're talking Breath of the Wild
0: too. Maybe at Christmas, they, they're they're very hush-up. Nope, no, no, no,
1: no, I guarantee you it will not be. And here here's why I say that. Next year is the 35th anniversary of Zelda. What a perfect time mm. to announce and potentially release the new Zelda game in the 35th anniversary.
0: Okay, that's fair.
1: Yep, uh, it is fair. I want another Zelda platformer. Is what I want. Not not platformer. I want the uh, the top down type game. That's, that's what I want. So I don't think they would cannibalize sales of Mario with Zelda, both at the same time. Mario this year, maybe Zelda next Christmas, that big bigger be your big Christmas seller for 2021.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's fine by then. Maybe I'll get the arrows out of my knee in Skyrim. And I will have accomplished everything I needed to do there. I doubt it. I thought Zelda or, or uh, Breath of the Wild had some quest. Oh my heavens!
1: My big obsession right now is Golf Story and Switch. That's where all my time's going into. It's, it's I got to play nine holes of golf at this new golf course in the desert because it's a quest. So I'm trying to work on that now.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about. I know it, it goes on sale constantly. I'll probably pick that one up as well. But what's the term I'm, I'm looking for about? Darn your soul. Darn, darn your hide. For making me get a switch. Oh man, this is it's good. I know the other night I was sitting there thinking, okay, I just watched a vi- uh, video on YouTube on Skyrim that I need to do this and this is how you do lock picking, but does it really apply to the switch? Well, let's go try it. Oh, wait, I can't go do that right now because I got to go do this and my real life gets in the way. Why can't I just <laughs> sit there and try off these silly things? I mean, so oh, I've. Never thought I would enjoy these as much as I have, but I guess I've got a lot of time on my hands. I
1: don't know. Yeah, especially now on time. Well, look, we're going to have to take a break pretty soon because we got to pay some bills, but everybody make sure to come back for our outro segment because there's a couple of games we played last week at Ice Cream Thursdays that we want to talk about. And one important thing I learned, Tony, is make sure to really read the rules before I teach a game. I know that's surprising coming for me, but we'll talk all about it at the end of the show. Tony, September 5th, was celebrating the Day of the Moloch, because this 2020 is the year of the Moloch, because this is when the Moloch came into the universe of Ur- Nurishima Hex and started wreaking havoc and taking over the world.
0: I did not know that.
1: So all these years ago, uh, when Ignacy came up with this whole Nurishima Hex idea Little did he know that in 2020, we'd still be around, he'd still be publishing games to talk about this event that he came up with about these mechanical beings taking over the world and lo and behold, here we are. And Tony, I must say, there's no better year for the year of the Moloch than 2020 with everything else is going on. So I think he must have, Ignacio had a little bit of Nostradamus in him. I think, uh, when he, designed I
0: think he did. I mean, you know, and then based on, you know, I'm looking at box art for this stuff. And I'm saying, yeah, this is about how I f- look and feel right now in 2022.
1: <laughs> and what he's talking about is the Year of Malik Special Nurishima Hex Edition. Oh, my gosh, Tony, this box is amazing. This is on pre-order currently right now over at PortalGamesUS.com is $99 But the stuff that you get in this game is amazing. It's a collector's edition. Has all the promos, all the board game products. It has inserts. It has a little statue that comes with it. It has an art book. There's HQ plastic units, new card art, double layered square board, all the reference guides for all the units. It has a, a campaign book i am super excited about this if you don't own nourishima hex this is the one you want to jump in on right here yeah it's 99 dollars, but there's a lot of stuff in that box and nourishima hex tony is still one of my favorite two-player head-to-head combat games of all time
0: yeah and we need to play the app sometime
1: Yes. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah do. we do. I actually sent an email to Ignasi Day saying, uh, yeah, when are you going to port that to the
0: Switch, maybe? Exactly. And keep in mind, pre-orders are, he's only going to do 2020 copies of this or 2020 co- Look at the marketing genius.
1: It's like the man was built for this or something. I don't know. PortalGamesUS.com, Neurashima Hex, Year of Moloch pre-order with exclusive items going on right now.
0: The one Ice Cream Thursday game that we got to
1: play was... I just want to say I'm falling in love with this Ice Cream Thursday stuff. I'm just... When this goes away, Tony, we may have to make sure every once in a while do an Ice Cream Thursday, but go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, I think what we should do is make sure Mark has an ice cream churn. <laughs> or a soft serve ice cream machine at his house. I mean, why not? Why can't the board game room not have one?
1: It can. Along with a
0: soft drink machine, that'd be great too. Yeah, and we don't need any fancy flavorings. We just need the, the little push kinds like we're dealing with out at Jason's where we sit there and hit that. And man, I almost didn't make it home, but that's an old man problem right there. I almost had to go find a place to use the restroom. That was a lot of Coke Zero we had that night. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm over here. We're talking about a game that we got to play at Ice Cream Thursdays called Nevada City. Mm-hmm. This game is designed by Alan Ernstein published by Rio Grande Games. Kind of interesting. We got a Nevada City,
1: Rio Grande Games. It
0: all kind of comes together for me, Marty.
1: It does. And this has a, a Western theme, which typically you like. And it's a worker placement game, which typically you like. So I thought, hey, what better game to hand over to Tony and say, here, you teach the rules.
0: Thank you, John Gets Games, for giving me a video to watch about this thing. Because without John, we would have been really struggling there. Not from the rule book, just from the fact of trying to get through. You know, Donna asked me the other night. Oh, Lord. She goes, how can you sit there and read rule books?
1: I will say this, Tony. That's that's one of the tough thing about uh, Ice Cream Thursdays. Because typically, we like to bring new stuff to the table. And we're always pushing off on who has to teach the rules. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I've been trying to get Catan Cities and Knights. Yes. Get through that rule book. And you don't realize just how many rules are in the Catan book. You know how to play it, but you're just like, I know cities unites. Okay, I got to do this, got to do this. You just don't, and you forget about that. So anyway, back to Nevada City.
1: <laughs> okay, how many more how many more score I'm also going to have in Nevada City? All right, let's see if we can get through this. Here we go. I'm going to do the Tony rules of this thing. I like it. The Tony rules are applicable for this game.
0: On your turn, you are going to activate a character in your family and you are going to go place markers out there in the Nevada city. You're either going to be getting resources from your fields or your mines or whatever, or you're going to go into town and you are going to be collecting money or additional commodities that you should need that will allow you to score more victory points than the other players. Now, on your turn, like I said, you have the capability of going into your fields, your ranch or wherever, or going into town, but you can also help the city by building buildings. And these buildings, when they get built, become more efficient. But one of the neat things about Nevada City is when you build a building, everybody can use it, but you benefit from its use. This game plays over a set number of years, or when all the building tracks in the city get built, the game will then end. Person with the most victory points wins. So where does it differentiate from a worker placement game? On my turn, I pick one character in my family. You have a family. And they have so many action tokens that they can go out and do. Once I'm done playing that character, it moves to the next player and they do the same. And you keep going around in the clockwise direction. And when everybody's out of action, that's it. Reset. But Marty, there's a couple events that are going on during that time literally not figuratively literally (laughs) that's right (laughs) these events are come up every time the next character round gets started one right before you get started oh look the herd's gotten all frisky and the baby boom is happening with the cows okay that's kind of cool oh look there's been a fire in the city these places have burned down oh no Oh, look! The tax man has come and he wants his money. Oh,
1: no. That, that's oh. what happened. It's, it's true. Not all the events are bad. Uh, it's just the events that happen. But you, you brought out one thing I thought was really cool. We talked about the uh, the cows having babies. I love the market in this game. Market, market, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I love at the beginning of the year, there, there's different prices for the different types of goods. There's price of like silver and wood and, and cattle. So there's two tracks. There, there's cubes that you pull out. It indicates like when you go to your fields, how much will it produce? Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, there's another track based on the number of cubes of that particular color on that track is when you go to sell it, how much money will you make? And that market will fluctuate based on some of those events that'll pop out.
0: That right there was so, here's the bell neat for me, because when the cows got frisky, they took one of the cow cubes up to the production phase. So when you would go to your ranch, the cows would produce more. Cows. However, because there was a boom in the cattle ranch, the value decreased. It wasn't like, oh, by the way, just produce one more when you do it. It changed the market. So simple, but yet very strategic because it happened to me and I know it happened to you is, well, wait a minute. That just killed what I was fixing to
1: do with Ma Caught Right here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And like, like I said, the cube, you move from the value track up to the production track. So it just. You see it mechanically change. The value just dropped and the production went up. So it has a supply demand market, which I think is really neat. At the beginning of every year, you're pulling out cubes and those get seeded at the beginning of every year. So it's always different. But then these events could change that up. So you're going out to your fields and you're producing these goods and then you could take those goods out to some of those buildings that are built and sell those goods to make money. Like you said, you can use that money to go out and recruit workers. Uh, additional mm-hmm. people to come and work on your farm, or maybe to go uh, get blueprints for a building. Because mm-hmm. once you get a building, you have to build it. You have to put so many pieces of lumber and goods towards it in order to get that building activated. Uh, you can also get contracts And that's where you can turn in a bunch of commodities and stuff. And contracts just basically give you victory points at the end of the game. So there's all these little things you could do with these action cubes. Now, Tony, one thing I did like is like, well, geez. So you start out with a ma, a pa, a brother, and a sister. So you got four characters. You can activate each round. You can go and hire a new person to work. But at the end of the year if you have enough booze and two additional resources yeah which is uh what what do you call it the uh dowry dowry yeah basically you give a dowry to be able to marry into that family so then what you're going to do is take that worker and they marry either the brother or the sister and then that's an extra worker that you'll have the rest of the game so that's how you can add more action selection tokens to be used each year. I really like that mechanic. And by the way, if you couldn't afford the dowry, they just went away.
0: And there was an advanced part that we did not play. So these hired hands, well, they become down on their luck at the end of the year. And they start ri- raising up. they raising cane in this town. They're troublemakers. And you got to go deal with them. Now, we didn't play that part where you would have to send a family member out and, and have a gun battle. Mm-hmm. Go gunslinging. And if you lose... Then, whoever you sent out there lost one of their action selections or one of their action tokens. But if you win, you get a benefit. Some of the buildings provided victory points based on what other people were doing. So, is it an engine building? Yes. You've got that resource acquisition going on. How well can you pull the resources? You have to strategically be able to use people at certain times because you can only go to a building in certain slots. And depending on the slots you're in, you will get. Uh, Maybe you can turn in two cows to get more hamburger, but you'd get more meat. Well, that just messed you up because you would have gotten more money. But Marty decided to go there first. Typical worker placement stuff,
1: Marty. Typical worker. I will say it kind of had a little bit of a a Great Western Trail feel to me, obviously because of the theme, but also the fact that in Great Western Trail, you're building buildings. And these buildings can be used by anybody, but typically if you're the one that built it, you'll get some sort of benefit, and that's what's going on here. These buildings are out there for anybody to use, you can go to your own building for free. And typically these buildings are always going to be better than what you could potentially, you know, do in your own fields for selling and stuff like that. So you'll typically want to go to a building and instead. So it had that great Western trail or even uh, Lords of the Waterdeep, like you like to say, you know, where you can put out the different buildings. And if you own them, then when somebody goes and uses that location, then you get a bonus to it. So it has that kind of feel too.
0: And I think as we play this more... We would see more of the strategy. I think on our first couple plays that we just don't understand. You know, where where can I mess you up? I've, it felt kind of prescriptive to to me at times, but a lot of these games mm. do.
2: Yeah, well, I don't I don't know if there's a lot of places you
1: could really mess people up, except maybe go to a spot where they really wanted to go. But you really wouldn't have known that, right? I mean, right. in typical worker placement fashion, it's like, man, I hope he doesn't go there and he does. Oh, that messes me up. But it wasn't intentional from the other person because they don't know exactly what you're going to do.
0: You know, one of the things I thought would happen is we wouldn't be able to build the, the number of buildings we did. We were firing through those buildings. What yeah. we didn't do is go do the contracts. And I think that's one of the things that we've got to explore more is, would those contracts give us more victory points? How do we explore getting that jump on victory points as you would in a worker placement game? Where is that? How's that engine? Oh, I need to do that. One thing I did not like was there's these wild card commodities that would be produced in, say, an entertainment district, a saloon, or a theater. And if you were to go there, you could get those commodities. Those didn't come up until the last year. Mm-hmm. They're, but they're wild cards. So why are they in the last year? That just kind of, it felt kind of off to me.
1: One of the things that felt a little off to me was actually the length. Uh, we all said when it was, uh, each time we played was over, it felt almost like it was a tad too long. We wish it had been like 15 to 20 minutes shorter. I, I don't know. It felt like the, we wanted the ending to be there quicker than than what it was. And maybe we were just playing slow, but we did have that feeling that maybe we wish it would. be the the typical play time they suggest is ninety to one twenty, and we only play with three people. And to be honest with you, it plays up to four players. I'm not sure I want to play with four players. I think three's the most. it's probably the sweet spot for me yeah. for because of the length.
0: Yeah, and some of the buildings. If you keep playing and keep playing, you'll know the buildings. You'll know this. You'll 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 have that engine. You'll know what you want to do. And there's no randomness in the buildings. You can go through the stack and pick any building.
1: Right. For the particular year. So each year, there's certain buildings, like you mentioned, that are available for you to build. Mm -hmm. So you always know what's going to be there every year. So as, as far as player variability or replayability each game, it's not going to be the buildings that you're going to get it from. It's going to be the way the events come out. But then the events are also, it's certain a number of events each year too. And there's the
0: poker hand. We didn't talk about poker. You can play poker.
1: Which is the advanced game.
0: It's the advanced game. Maybe that'll add to it.
1: Now, one thing we didn't mention also that each of the player cards also have skills. Mm -hmm. Uh, So some of them, like if you need like a brick, Uh, When the character goes to a building and they have a brick icon on their card, they automatically just produce a brick for free or maybe a, a herd or, you know, something like that. And so each of the cards have little skill icons on them that can be used, that can be used to maybe produce an extra good when you need that good and take one of their action selections and put it there. So that will dictate maybe which character you activate each turn because you want to take uh, advantage of their skill icons. They have some of the hired
0: hands have additional activations where one may have one, but their icon on it was very powerful. I had one that only had one activation, but it could go to the herd and go to the field's, an additional two times. So basically I was placing one cube in the field and they said, Oh, times two. So I could place another cube there and another cube there and produce a lot of cows. They were the cow whisperer for me. You know, that's how you make your money. Where's that engine? How do I get it? How do I generate that into the, into the victory points, adding the gunslingers, adding the um, hired hands, becoming troublemakers may impact your decisions because you could lose some of your activations. Mm -hmm. So that can hurt you. We had an event that did that. It got rid of our activations. The taxpayer took away our activations because we all had to go get to loans. So some of those penalties, you know, may change up how you're doing. And the only other thing I'll say, Marty, is it's not like I could pre-plan ahead because by the time it came back around to me, based on where you placed either your three tokens from that one character and Bert placed his three tokens, that was six spots gone on the board that I'm like, okay, now how do I need to adjust? Yeah. But even if they were all gone and all that strategy was gone, I could always go to the fields, go to the mine and produce resources that I could use again later.
1: Let's just close this out with this. So a lot of people say, hear this and say, well, it just sounds like your typical worker placement game. So what a couple things that maybe stood out to you, Tony and me that, that were a little bit different in this worker placement game. I like the market. I like the concept of this market changing between how much you produce and how much it's worth based on cues that come out at the beginning of the game and the events that are played. I like that the workers, per se, is you're activating a character, but they have a number of selections that you're going to do. All that one character before it goes to the next person. So you could put out multiple things, which felt maybe uh, just a tad different. The I like the how you marry into the family in order to to provide additional workers, and to be honest with you, I think the theme actually worked pretty well in this. I you know you have the street, you're building the buildings, the actions that you're taking. Makes sense within the theme of the game of building buildings and hiring workers and the resources that you're producing, etc. So for me, that's what maybe will make it stand out than a lot of other worker placement games. Anything from you particularly? I
0: think you've covered them all the the production and the the market. How that worked was probably the biggest standout for me. So I enjoyed that, and I would classify this as not a hardcore worker placement game that, you know, for heavy strategy, like you and I will sometimes get into, but I do think it's a game that I could bring Donna up to the next worker placement, you know, versus just placing doing action. That's one of the things that this game will definitely provide at the table is, Oh, here's the next layer of worker placement. So that is Nevada city from Rio Grande games. So if any of these new revamps sound entertaining to you or you think, hey, I missed that when it first came out, all these games, well, head over to miniaturemarket.com and pick you up a copy. They'll get it to your door quick. They've got fast shipping. If you go build up an order up to $100, oh, I'm sorry, $99, you get free shipping. Be sure to take advantage of their hold this for now, kind of like Wait, wait, I'm not ready to close out my order, but I definitely want this. It's sitting in my cart. Think about it as you're pushing around the MiniatureMarket.com store and you're throwing it in the basket. It's like Black Friday and you're like, oh, I need this and don't take it out of my cart. I don't want to lose this sale because MiniatureMarket.com just has some big sales. So always go out there and visit their webpage, see what they've got for new releases, as well as sign up for their newsletter. I don't know if you've heard me. That's at MiniatureMarket.com.
1: Well, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that pretty much anytime there is any game involved in the Warhammer universe, more than likely I'm going to have my son Adam on. And this one is no difference because uh, Adam, you and I got to check out a brand new game coming out from Games Workshop called Crypt Hunters. We sure did. When I first saw this game, I thought, okay, it's kind of like a dungeon crawler. So two player game plays in about 30 minutes. One of you plays as a Stormcast. One of you plays as a haunt. And basically you're in the 10,000 tombs where the Stormcast is looking for a winch, W-I-N-C-H, so that when they find the Illuminator tile that they can escape the dungeon. And, you know, Adam, when we first saw uh, these character cards and these models and these stats, it looked like your typical type of Warhammer type information. There's some moves, there's some attacks, you're going to roll some dice and deal some damage.
2: Yeah, and at first I was kind of lukewarm about the idea of this game because it felt like More the same, you know, like because in my brain I was thinking like, how is this going to be different than Underworlds? Like, I get that it's supposed to be like dungeon crawling, but fundamentally, isn't it just going to be the same as that? But um this game actually surprised me.
1: It did because the the game starts out uses hex tiles, and basically it starts with a stack of hex tiles, and somewhere in that in that stack is a winch tile, and at the very bottom is this illuminator tile, which is kind of like the exit tile. And at the very start, all of your four storm casts start on the entrance tile. And then the interesting part of the game begins. It's played over a series of phases. And the first thing that we're going to do is reveal tiles. Now, each of these tiles may have an entrance. And for every one, you're going to draw a tile off the top of the stack and put it at an entrance. And as long as... The model on the tile can see through that tile to the next tile is basically creating a line of sight. You'll keep adding tiles to like a curve happens or a dead end happens and then you stop. And so it's kind of like a fog of war.
2: Yeah. And it basically, I guess you could say randomly generates a dungeon layout from that, which is interesting. But what was interesting to me is not so much that it randomly generates a dungeon. That's happened in board games before. It's that when you leave the line of sight of a tile, it disappears and you can't go back that is where the game gets interesting
1: exactly and it's those two mechanics that was like okay these two little simple things of add and subtracting tiles takes this from a uh-oh we're just going to chuck dice at each other and try to deal a lot of damage to a very tactical game especially on the side of the storm cast now after you add the tiles next thing you're going to do the storm cast um get to activate so they get to take two actions per model they could do things they can move, they can attack, they can attack twice. Like I said, there's typical stats on here it says how far you can move. Some have special abilities. Uh when you're attacking, you're gonna roll dice, and and there's certain sides on the die that you're looking for. If you do, you deal damage to a chain rasp if you happen to run into one inside of uh, the, the dungeon. But like you said, after that is the remove tiles thing. And that's when you said, like the, the fog of war. In typical games, you know, like on uh, like RTSs and stuff, once you lit the fog of war, that's it. Well, no, that's not true. I guess that in like StarCraft and stuff, there the fog of war. Uh, but even so, you still lifts-
2: see the terrain. You may yes. not know exactly what's going on there, but you have knowledge of the terrain. But you don't even have that in this game. That's right. So it means that at any point in the game the map is only a few tiles in diameter, Right. really. You're used to with these kind of like randomly generating dungeon crawler games that it just expands, and keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But this game actually stays very small because as soon as the line of sight disappears, the tiles come off. Mm-hmm. So really, the it's kind of interesting. The map kind of moves around the table with you, but it never gets bigger. And I think that's very cool.
1: right. So then after we remove tiles, then there's something, a phase called the chain rasp reinforcement. And basically at the end of any path in this map, a chain rasp will appear and the number of the chain rasp will appear will depend on the number of open slots to that one hex tile at the very end of a path. So if there's two open spots, you'll drop two chain wraps. If there's one, you'll just drop one. And then the chain rasps activate. Now, typically they only get three actions for the entire group. But if it so happens, if you have uh, four of them out there, then the Dread Warden appears and he has a special ability where they get four actions. Same sort of actions. They can move. They can attack. They do have a special action where they can drift down like an entire hall. They can go the entire way. And if they do, they can pick up a couple chain rasps with them and carry them along the way. And then they try to attack you. And again, the goal of the game is you're looking for that winch tile that give you um, a, a, like a token. And then you're just trying to basically explore the entire dungeon knowing that last tile is the exit tile and trying to have at least one Stormcast Eternal get out alive. Meanwhile, the chain Chainrast, when they die, one hit, they're gone. But then, then they reappear later. They keep respawning because they keep popping out of the walls and everything yeah. like that.
2: And uh, I don't know if we mentioned earlier, Chainrasts or Ghosts? By the way, in case you were completely clueless and didn't know <laughs> what we were talking never heard of Age of Sigmar or anything. Chain Raps are just ghosts. Just right. so 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 we're so we're clear on that. But yeah, th- and that's so it's almost like the two players, Chain Raps and Stormcast, have different goals and strategies here. asymmetric gameplay and which asymmetric I like. gameplay yeah i'm a fan of that too uh because this chain rats keep spawning in indefinitely you never have to worry about losing them all you're worried about is positioning them whereas a cast, you're worried about positioning too but you're also worried about keeping them alive because they can die and when they die they're gone and when we played i only had one left at the end
1: Mm-hmm. It, exactly. It was a very, actually a very tight game at the end. But what was interesting is, uh, I think you said at the very beginning that you felt, you know, this was going to be your typical Underworlds type game where you're just doing a lot of
2: combat, right. but it
1: morphed into something else. Like we midway played. through
2: the game, after I lost like two models, I was like, all right, so this isn't just like a toe-to-toe thing. Because if you go toe-to-toe with the chainrass player, you're not going to make it because they're just going to infinitely spawn in and you're done for. So you have to kind of use the mechanics of the game to your advantage and position your models your stormcast to where the tiles with those chain wraps disappear and once those tiles disappear the chain wraps were gone so i found myself playing it almost like an entirely different game where i was trying to manipulate the board to get rid of enemies rather than just fighting them and rolling the dice to kill them i thought that was very very interesting and uh, a neat perspective on um, the kind of formula that Games Workshop has developed for these.
1: And then because every time you play, the dungeon's gonna be different. So once you lay a couple tiles, you may take a, a turn around a bend. And once you do, if you know it's like, well, I know there's a chain rasp behind my, behind me, but if I just go around this one curve, I no longer have line of sight, then during the remove tiles action, like you said, all those chain rasps just poof disappear. But then this other interesting thing happened: those tiles disappeared, but then chain rasp come back. And they're actually a tad closer to you at that time. So you have to think it's like, well, if I eliminate that one tile, I'll get rid of one. But I'm still can see tile with two entrances, which means two would appear there. So I'd rather deal with those two than that one. Right,
2: exactly. There's a lot of thought and uh, tactical acumen that goes into this very, very simple game, way more than I thought. And that's impressive.
1: Yeah, uh, this is one of those things that when I first read the rules, I thought, eh, I don't know. This is a game that comes out of places like Barnes and Noble. It's going to be on their shelves. 39.99, 30-minute game. Yeah, it's supposed like to be kind way. of an entry-level game. And uh, and so I thought, I read the rules. Like, ah, I kind of can see what this is going to be. And then as you played it, I went, oh, wow. Just the simple concept of adding and removing tiles totally turns this game of a fisticuffs to a very tactical you know hide and seek almost almost
2: like a puzzle game yeah honestly for both players uh very cool
1: yeah yeah i really like it now i will say this as um age of sigmar players and especially me as a night haunt player which is what the chain rasp are you're getting actual warhammer age of sigmar models that come in like the core night haunts box
2: this is not like a special thing. It's not like a cheap bow version of the these are the sprues that these models come on. You're getting like actual age of sigmar models with this game and a fair bit of them for the cost of the game. Like it, it's 10 Night Haunts and four Stormcasts. 14 models is crazy.
1: <laughs> so if you're like a an Age of Sigmar player and you want some cheap models, it's like I'm not really interested in the game. But those models, twenty nine w- ninety nine.
2: Heck yes! If you if you're a Age of Sigmar player and you play Stormcast or Night Haunts, it's absolutely worth it to buy the box just for the models.
1: Yep, exactly. And then we found out that these Stormcast are also
2: really good for a Warcry, and that's a Warcry band right there. Yep, like it. Well, and so, actually, and so, and Sigmar so, we're the Nikon's because it comes with the Leo too. So uh, you can use these models for Warcry. You can use them for Age of Sigmar. You, it's it's kind of crazy what they put in this box for its price point.
1: And then we checked, and it actually is the actual sprue from the uh, the Age yep. of Sigmars. And just so you know, these are they are sprues. You do have to cut them. They are pushed to fit.
2: No glue required, in theory.
1: In theory, because I said, all right, I'm going to test this theory, and I put them all together. There is one of the Stormcast Eternals, I did have to put a dab of glue on the head because I couldn't get it to stay in its place. In addition, one of the chain rasp had this one little part that wouldn't stay in its place too. So I had to put a dab of glue there. But then other than that, you didn't really need any, but I'm just gonna say it right, right now. Go ahead and add a little bit of glue, maybe at the at the little peg that goes into the hole. And you'll definitely want to add a dab of glue when you put it into the base uh, because they will easily pop out of the base. Now, there is a very nice insert in this box for holding all the models. Um, it's like a vacuum formed insert for popping the models into place and they don't touch each other. But they might pop out of their base if they're not glued in. So you probably at least want to do
2: that. Yeah, don't be intimidated by putting these models together. This is not the game's workshop of yesteryear. They've come a long way. No longer do you have to do some sort of, uh, you know, ceremony or ritual to properly assemble your models and put them up on this device. And like these models come together so easily. You can get a thing of super glue at whatever hardware store or hobby store and make it even simpler. It it takes no time to put these models together.
1: No paint required because all the Stormcaster tunnels are in gold and the chain are in blue, so they're easy to distinguish from each other again i know some people get intimidated by this but something like this is a great way to kind
2: of see how these models
1: fit work together and it's actually a a fun game in itself i will
2: say that with the current state of age of sigmar and 40k it has never been less intimidating to get one of these games or to get these models and to put them together and again this is just an
1: entry point potentially into something else because as we just mentioned each one of these can be used as a potential war band in Warcry, which we've
2: talked about before and Uh, If you were to buy this game and have those Stormcasts on the table, if you have a buddy that has Warcry, you don't even need to buy it. You can go try playing Warcry with someone you know or at the game's workshop store without buying anything else.
1: Now, they also had two other games that they came out with. That's also going to be at Barnes & Noble. One is a second season of Blitz Bowl, which I'm excited about. When the first season came out, I played it and I really enjoyed it because I always want to get into Blood Bowl. But that game is long. That's like a two-hour game. That, you know, it that, takes a little that is a
2: miniatures game. <laughs> but what It takes as long as a football game.
1: Yeah, literally. Basically. It does. Blitz Bowl is a condensed version of that using some of the same mechanics, except that it only plays in 30 minutes. Now, this one is forty-nine ninety-nine. Uh there is a few more models in this one. Uh, it comes with dwarves, dwarves and dudes and dwarves and dudes but what's really cool about this box is that it also comes with tons of cards for all the other teams so if you want to play blitz bowl let's say you have a a skaven team or something else then the cards are included in the box to be able to create those teams and play uh, a game and also they've included season rules so this isn't just a standalone i'm going to play a game and be done if you want to set up a league get some friends Plays in thirty minutes. Blitz Bowl season two. I, I this is one of those things I would love to when COVID's over is to get you know five to six guys and, and play like a season or something with these
2: things. That is a Barnes and Noble exclusive, by the way.
1: And then the last one we can't leave out the forty K universe. There's Rise of Can the Orcs. We <laughs> Uh this is a game that uh, plays 30 minutes, it's one to five players. This is a fully co-op game. Uh, so basically you're playing against the game itself. Uh is it Sans? Rise of the Orcs, you're playing as Space Marines. Of course.
2: Why would you play as anything other than Space Marines? <laughs> why why would I wanna why would I wanna play as any as any of the number of more interesting factions in 40k? We're gonna play as Space Marines again, No, That's great.
1: Sarcasm is thick in this room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have feelings about that.
1: I understand, but for somebody that's just getting into it for forty four dollars and ninety nine cents at Barnes and Noble, if they want to play a co op game again, these are push to fit models. Play together as Space Marines. You have orcs popping out. You're trying to deal with them. So you have three different themes. You have a sports themed game with Blitz Bowl. You've got Rise of the Orcs from uh, Warhammer forty K, and you've got Crypt Hunters uh, right now. The two that really stand out to me are Crypt Hunters and uh, Blitz Bowl, and those are the ones I probably get to the more table more often, just because the co-op game aspect is really cool. I just want to do a little bit of head-to-head and, and the and the two-player games as these others are. I probably get to the table a little bit more, and I want to get Adam on as quick as possible with these because. This is going to be the last time that he and I can actually record face-to-face as as, as of this recording in a couple days. Adam, you'll be...
2: I will be shipping off to Aberdeen, Scotland for graduate school. That's right. For one year... For one year. You'll be
1: over there going to the University of Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. And so I won't have my Games Workshop buddy here to play games with and be able to talk about and stuff. And that makes me sad and everything like that because you're like the one person around that'll... Play Warcry with me and, and check out these games. I can't get Tony to play any miniatures games,
2: man. Uh, I, like I said, it's the, it's the most accessible it's ever been. You're just going to have to like, surprise him one time. Just say, hey, we're going to play this game. And just don't mention that it's any <laughs> Warhammer or anything. That's and right. then get to the table and say, like, oh, by the way.
1: <laughs> That's right. So you're going to be out in Aberdeen, Scotland. Now we have already checked. There is a games workshop store within a mile. of One campus.
2: mile. Easy. Uh, a walk. A walk
1: away. That's interesting. And I believe that you said you may try to, if there's room in your luggage, to take a uh, a war cry uh, band with you, Lumineth or whoever you have over there in hopes that maybe you can trudge across campus and go over there and play some
2: i would love to i'd love to make that happen for sure
1: if there's any listeners from aberdeen that give some suggestions on some game stores or things do over there please hit me up and i'll pass those on to adam and but who knows adam maybe there's some stuff we can do online maybe we do some more uh, rpgs online or something like that and have you back on the show or maybe you've had some really cool
2: experiences
1: at the games workshop or any gaming you actually uh just bought the uh
2: The Pathfinder. The Pathfinder Advanced Player's Guide, second edition. Very excited about that. Yeah,
1: so you'll be taking that with you. Maybe find you an RPG group and you can let us know how it's going there.
2: Yep, I I would love to do that, 100%.
1: Awesome, because we don't want it to be another year since you come on the show again.
2: Yeah, me neither.
1: Tony, I know that you never got to play the big full game of Lisboa by Vital Lacerda, right? You
0: never let me play any of those games because you know they're long and I get grumpy.
1: Okay, well, this might be interesting to you then because one of the like mini games or the sections of that big game was this market concept where you had to be able to go out and put uh, merchants out into the street in order to be able to draw in customers and make some money. And what the Tall's done is take that concept and make it an individual game that is now currently on Kickstarter from Eagle Griffin Games called... Mercado de Lisboa, which I believe means merchants of Lisboa. I hope you got that right. Oh, Lord, that's $5 if I don't. Crap. Hold on. I wasn't going to mention that. Mercado translation. Could be merchants, Lisboa merchants. Okay, good. Lisbon market. (laughs) It's Lisbon market. It's not, well, I guess that's market of Lisbon. That's close enough. All right. Uh, (laughs) You already had to to pay out once. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So uh, in this game that plays in 30 to 45 minutes, two, two, four. Uh, four players. Tony, it's only four pages, right? It's a quick rule book. I got it out after we played Yido, which we'll talk about in a second. I said, guys, just let me teach you this real quick. This is really straightforward. You only got four actions you can do. You got these stands in front of you. And on your turn, uh, you can place a stand on this grid. There's rows and columns. You You can place it out there. If there's a face down restaurant, tile, you can take it and put it in front of you. Uh, another action you can do is take that restaurant tile and put it out on the board. Awesome. If you put it beside a matching market that is that would buy something from there, for example, if you had a market that sells fish, you want to put the sushi restaurant right beside it because if you do, it'll give you some extra bonus points. You want the wine Store right beside the grape market, etc. So that's why you want the restaurants paired up with a particular type of stand. Third thing you could do, Tony, is you can get a customer. They have these rows of customers out there that are looking for different things, looking at the different markets. That's like, well, I want uh, plants, or I want grapes, or I want fish, or I want meat. You take one of those customer tiles. Put it at the end of a row or put it at the end of a column that has at least one of your stands that you placed out there. And then you're going to make some money. When you put it out there, you're going to get one gold for every one of your stands that you have in that row or column. You're going to get an additional gold based on the matching market that's orthogonal to it that matches that particular stand. And then you're going to multiply that times the number number of customers. The customer tiles rank from anywhere from one person to four people. So hey, the more customers that have you, the more money you're going to make. But what's also cool is anybody else in that row who matches that customer's wants will also get paid too. So we started playing the game, Tony, and we finished in like 20 minutes. The game ends when there's only four open spots left on the board. Person with the most money wins. And I must say, Tony, when this was over, I'm like... I don't get it. I was like expecting a lot more from this game than, than what we got. And I, y'all probably had the exact same uh, thoughts. It's like, what, what is this about?
0: Yeah. How did I miss this? I even watched the videos. Something just didn't click here. We got a problem. We got a problem there. <laughs> Houston, we got a problem.
1: So I'm like, I don't get it. I read the rules. I thought everything sounded cool about this. So when I got home, I pulled out the rule book so I tried to teach you some memory, which is mistake number one. So the thing I forgot, Tony, is when you place a merchant, you have to pay some money. Based on the number of other merchant stands, that's either in the row or column where you put it. So if there's already two stands there, you have to play, pay the cost of your stand plus the other two that's there that cost three. We weren't paying any money back into the bank. We were just collecting money the whole time. It's like, Well, that could totally change the game. And then, oh, wait a minute, what's this over here? When you place a restaurant, you get a gold. Well, we weren't doing that part. Wait a minute, what's this part over here? Oh, if you place a stand and there's already a customer at the end of the row or column, you actually can collect money if the stand that you built was what they were looking for. Well, that's kind of cool, too.
0: Whoa, 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 whoa. So wait. (laughs) Because one of the rules that we debated there was that the number of customers has to equal or be less than the number of stands on a street.
1: Yeah, that's not the point I'm saying is I'm saying oh I know, okay.
0: I know what you're saying. You're saying if I put a stand and there's a one customer and I just happen to match that icon, then I'm gonna get paid even though he's already there. He's coming back.
1: well no he's just, no he's there the whole time. He never left. He's still looking for
0: that stuff. But he's already, I wouldn't put that customer there unless he's already gone there to get that money.
1: No, he's still on that same street looking around and a new stand just popped up. Sweet. What I was looking for, I'm going to buy from you also. So, yeah, I bought from that fish market.
0: Oh, wait, you just opened up a fish market too. So, I'm going to go there and buy. Exactly. Okay. So, that may be the reason why when we were placing customers, we were trying to maximize. Here is a reason to put the number ones down. (laughs)
1: Well, you had to because you didn't have enough money. You had to put down customers earlier in the game to get money to even put out additional stands because you only start with one gold. So here's the thing. Thankfully, I came home and told Vanessa I am so frustrated because we just played a game that made no sense because I didn't explain the rules right. And all the listeners are going, well, duh, we've listened to you long enough. Why is this surprising you and especially to Vanessa? So Vanessa was kind enough tonight to sit down and play a two player game with me and played it right. And Holy cow. When you play the game with the correct rules, this is off the rails. Good because it is very simple. You're going to take one of those three actions, place a customer, build a stand, place a restaurant, but where you place them is so important. It becomes an abstract game. Tony, it really does Mm -hmm. becomes literally a straight abstract game of trying to put things in the right spot, in order to try to maximize the location to get money from the customers that come in. And it becomes a very thinky game. And that's what the Kickstarter promised. Uh, they called it a filler. I do not like the term filler because this does not feel like a filler game to me. This is a solid 30 to 45 minute game that's easy to teach, but very thinky. To me, it matches that Ragusa, which I know you do not like. But I like Ragusa and the fact that it's a 45 minute game, easy to teach and thinky. And this is probably even easier to teach than Ragusa, but just as thinky. Yeah, I tell you, I need to get it to the table in front of you and Bert again, and she had to correctly play it because it's
2: solid.
0: Along with Ragusa, so you you taught some rules wrong there, so we've got this one. (laughs) So I mean, it happens, and I understand that. That's why you and I, we were like, what did we miss? And so when you discovered that, it was like, okay, We're gonna have to play this again, but we don't wanna not talk about because the Kickstarter will be over. So that's
1: correct. A hundred percent. The Kickstarter will end right after this episode drops, which is why we wanted to get it out there. It's only thirty-four dollars. This is worth it for $34. If you want a two to four player game, it has an abstract feel to it. It's basically a tile placement. First, I thought it was going to be like a spreadsheet game. And I guess somewhat it it, it kind of is because those restaurants that will score you points, it doesn't have to be in the same row where the customer is. As long as it's orthogonal to a restaurant of that type that it needs to match up to the stand, you're going to score gold for it. And the, the math is really good. You count the number of gold based on the number of stands and number of restaurants, multiply that by the number of customers. So you can see that when you start putting out the customers that are three and four in size, you making tons of money by the end of the game.
0: But you're also possibly giving other people
1: tons of money. Exactly. When you place a customer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. When you place a customer, everybody scores. So you kind of want to have your stand spread out all, all over the place. Look, It's a solid game. And Tony, it's something that I think that's very important that I've learned here, that it took me eight years to learn. And here it is. And I think this is important for all the audience to understand. Here it is. If you play the game by the rules written by the designer, it is a much better game there. How profound is that?
0: Considering we've been saying that about Monopoly for years. (laughs)
1: That's, that's true. If you just play the rules, the way they're written, it's amazing how much better that game is going to be.
0: Yeah. And then if you've got people who want to constantly change rules and update it, then <laughs> it goes downhill very quickly. So, yes.
1: $34, people. This is a solid game. It, the, the production copy we got looks like it's it's done. I mean, this is a pre-production copy, and it was sealed and everything. Set up, it was two minutes it literally takes no time at all to set it up. You only got basically three actions. I didn't even mention the fourth as action. The fourth action is just take a gold if you got nothing else to do. Four simple actions. Solid game. Kickstarter right now, but hurry up because it's almost over.
0: Especially if you listen to this show a week later.
1: Yeah, then it's way too late. That's why you should listen to us on the release day. Just saying. And actually listen. <laughs> Okay, that may be asking a bit much. But Tony, that came in after a game that's another remake, like we talked about remakes earlier. And that's a game you're excited about. We saw at Gen Con last year, Yido the Deluxe Edition.
0: So I played Yido many, many years ago. Love the game. Have the original copy still in shrink up on my shelves because it seems like I could never get it out. There was just something about the mechanics of Yido that I really enjoy. Once again, it is a worker placement game. You're going out there. You're putting out your workers. It's not that they're collecting so much resources, but they have to be in certain areas in the city to be able to complete missions that allow you to gain either additional gold or gain victory points that you may need later. Mm -hmm. This new deluxe copy fabulous, gorgeous, incredible components, incredible artwork as, as Yido is even the old game. I I pulled it out. Didn't take it out shrink. I'm just like, okay, this is, you know, they've really enhanced this, but it did see some age. And that's what we were talking about. When we finished the game, it was like, okay, solid worker placement, cool mechanics. But after six rounds, we were, we were done. You know, you can go up to eight rounds, you can go up to 11 rounds. But at six rounds, we were like, okay, we're kind of doing the same things. Now, and it could be, Marty, that somebody might have not done exactly what he needed to do on his setup either. I don't know who that was, the guy who set it up, but I think he needed to add some additional missions in those cards. And that would have enhanced the strategy. So you know how we ran out of the green missions? Yes. The very simple missions. I think I needed to... seed it with some more cards because I was following their setup for your first time playing. And I think there was something in there about, oh, and by the way, if you're playing with the advanced rules or the uh, tea house version, you need to add some more greenhouse, Mm -hmm. I mean, green missions in there.
1: So, uh, so overall, I still enjoy it. We said the word dated and I thought that sounded more negative than what it should have been. And then Bert said the word classic. I think that that's, that's a good term. I think it has a classic worker placement euro field there were some things i really liked that, that were kind of unique in that the sections that you placed your workers you could do one of multiple things i did like that it's not like typically in worker placement games when you go to a spot you're doing that one thing here most of the spots you went to you could do one of multiple things right uh you could always take the action of, you know, one or two actions in the spot that you're in. No matter where you were, you could always complete a mission. And your mission objectives were typically of having people in certain locations, especially the easier missions. Uh, The harder missions were having certain people in locations, certain annexes built on your board. Weapons in your arsenal. Yeah, exactly. So I did like that. I did like the bidding mechanic at the beginning. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a different for a worker placement game. At the very beginning of the round, uh, uh, you're going to be placing bidding on where you're going to be able to go at the uh, the beginning, such as get some additional action cards, maybe get some additional in-game objective cards, or go get a cheap Geisha girl or get one of the new workers that's coming out. And we that's the one of the expansions that we play, mm-hmm. which gives the, the different workers that have different abilities. By the way, I do like that. Mm-hmm. That needed it because I like workers that can do special abilities, like the ninja can do special things, et cetera. So there were different, those you can hire. And it's always cheaper if you get it in the bidding round than if you go and try to get them in the worker placement round. You would think it'd be
0: cheaper in the bidding round unless you what? get up bid. So that's, there's the challenge. So let's talk about the special workers and the ninja. He would never get caught by the night patrol, which is also a different, a a cool aspect, right? So he would go and he could, he was immune from getting lost and getting sent to prison. So if you wanted that one, when his token came up to be able to draft him, then you had to go there and bid and you start out with that level And you're done with that and uh, say, I bid five and then you bid seven and Burt bids nine. Well, down at the bottom, if I wait, I can go get him for seven, assuming I can make it into that spot. Right. Yes, the bidding. And we're playing only three players. The bidding changed. You had zones that you would bid in. And once that zone was taken, no one else could go there. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was important because if I bid in the white zone, then do I take an action card or do I take a bonus card?
1: The only thing for me, honestly, Tony, was like you said, after six rounds, it was like also kind of like Nevada City. It was like we were kind of ready for it to be, be done. We kind of experienced everything that we wanted to get out of it other than that, I think it's a classic game. Now that the deluxe version has everything. It has a great insert that came with it. It's a huge box. The art on the board is absolutely stunning. It's amazing. The player boards are super nice. You've got the workers that have the, um, the printing on them, like the Ninja and stuff. All the different ones have unique art on them. The art of the cards has a great, you know, Asian look and Asian feel to it. Um, there's nice inserts and everything in there for sorting and everything. So, if there's a version you want, it's, it's for sure this deluxe version from Board and Dice. And if you're a fan of the classic Yido, then you you want to pl- get this. And if you've never played it, might want to check it out. Again, like you, Tony, the only thing was I kind of felt like in the end, it was just kind of a tad long. And was it
0: tad long because it was, began as the word I always use here, prescriptive? Is it, OK, I need to go here. I need to go here. But did your strategy change? Because at the end, it was you can spend x coins to get a uh, victory point mm-hmm. right and we finally did that at the end instead of trying to build up the workers we were then trying to now convert everything over to points
1: well also too there was probably a little bit of ap right there's a lot of options because like you said you can't plan beforehand if somebody goes to a spot that you weren't planning on to then you got to try to decide what to do and like i said each spot can do multiple things So you may decide, well, I was going to go to this location or take this action at this spot, but here's a mission that I might be able to complete. So maybe I need to work on that. Instead, there's a lot of different things you can do to generate points. Oh, one thing I do like is this concept of annexes that you can build on your board, which is additional spots for your workers to go that gives you things like honor, and sometimes it costs you honor, an honor token to activate or take an action, or you have to have a certain number of Geisha girls in order to be able to do something. So I like having locations on your player board that you can also send workers to. So there's a lot of things baked into this game that have a very classic feel to it. So
0: there's there's even trading, which we didn't really, which Bert and I used, but we didn't really, if you're in the market district, you can trade with other players. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound negative because this is such a classic, great worker placement game. Maybe it needs one more player to open up the bidding. Four players? Do you increase
1: the number of rounds played? Oh, you can always stop at six. Oh, okay. So we and that was considered the short game. Mm-hmm. See, I could. I I don't really feel I'd want to play eight or ten rounds.
0: Well, you. The only reason to I think to go up to eight is if you want to try to collect the black diamond cards. Is I'm going to call them that.
1: Yeah, so the mission cards, the the higher ones that are harder to achieve. And even, uh, by the way, uh, shout out to John Gets Games because he also did a tutorial for this game that we watched and a big help on. He even said in his six round tutorial, he said, ignore the black mission cards. He said, because you probably don't have time to achieve those. And he was right.
0: So there's a point that... Y- why I should have put more green cards in there because some of the bonus cards needed certain types of card types. And like I had one bonus card that says, well, if you complete these types of mission, you're going to get victory points. I don't need that. Well, that's fine. Then throw it away. When you go go find you another, and that's when you may want to do another bonus card. Oh, if you complete all four annexes, you get X amount of points. Oh, well, that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. And, and then a lot of it too, is like you said, if you only have two cards, objective cards that you can keep for the end of game scoring so you can't soak up a lot of those you might cycle through some of those till you find the two that you really want to work on that gives some uh, bonus points at the end of the game i enjoy my time playing it i did uh, aside for the couple things that that i had talked about i think it's a solid it's a solid it's a solid game i love the theme i love asian themed games i just like whether it be japan china etc Cause the art style is usually very cool and very colorful and everything. And I just love the history of both of those locations. So I enjoy games in that, that world.
0: But I will say that it is not a game I'm going to put on the table for Donna. You talk about the blank stare. Yeah. Oh, if I started going to, Oh, in this district, you can do this, this, and this, cause she loves worker placement games, mm-hmm. pillars of the earth. One of her favorite games. She, she loves that game to death. But if I were to tell her that, okay, if you go to this district, you're either going to change the player order or you're going to go get an additional bonus card, or you're going to go here. Oh, and in this district, you can do this, this, or this. But remember, and then trying to explain how to cycle through the missions, I can see where people who aren't very experienced with this. So this is one of those uh, worker placement games that you got to be real comfortable with in, in doing those mechanics. It's not one to, I would love to plop that thing down on the table and dazzle everybody with it, but I think I'd be all right, forty-five minutes into the explanation. Any questions?
1: <laughs> oh, again, like I said, begin to also like the bidding mechanic, and this this one had that. And I, I just I don't know. It's it's a it's a good way to. I love the idea when you you need the money to, in order to buy things, but also to be a part of that bidding process too. And it was definitely an advantage to winning some of those bids, and it was an advantage to being first in some of those bids too. So, in classic worker placement style, being that first player was an advantage.
0: Yes, it was. So I think about all of our shells and all the worker placement. I mean, we've got a lot of worker placements because that's one of our favorites. And This one's definitely on the shelf. It'll stay on the shelf. I hope that, you know, as time goes on, that it will come off the shelf again. And I'll be able to put it on the table and experience maybe just the base game with some people. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But, you know, still a classic game. All right. You know, for a COVID
1: show... We're kind of getting some games in. I don't know how we're doing this. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how, but it feels like now we are in a serious groove of getting a lot of stuff to the table. Maybe Mark was holding us back at his house. Maybe we spent too much time talking and not enough time playing.
0: Uh, I don't. Let's not talk bad about our buddy Mark. I miss but, our buddy Mark.
1: No, it's not talking bad about it, but it's just like, you know, but we get there, we get to hanging out, talking and goofing off. And I guess I guess at Jason's Deli, you know, at ten o'clock they get they're kicking us out. We gotta get down to business.
0: That's it. And from the standpoint of They closed early. When we left, did you see that? They
1: shut the lights off. Oh, yeah. It's like, would those guys please hurry up and leave? Leave. I mean, they're always so nice, and we're always to make sure out by the time they're closing, but they're probably smiling and being nice to us. It's like, please get out. Thank you. Lock the door behind them.
0: Lock the door. They don't get any more Coke Zero refills. So along Coke Zero, the aluminum shortage that's going on right now.
1: I didn't know there was an aluminum shortage.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're various, I don't know if you do grocery shopping. Do you go to the grocery store at all?
1: Yeah, usually I typically go help out Vanessa. We usually go together.
0: So when you're there, I want you to start paying attention to the aluminum can shelves. And the reason why is that certain flavors are disappearing in the aluminum can because okay. of the shortage. For instance, you will see Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, Dr. Pepper. And you may not see any Coke Zero. The other day when I was in uh, the local grocery store, there was no Coke Zero. Okay. So there's the, the manufacturers, the bodily manufacturers are trying to figure out what's their best sellers and they are putting those in production. Now, this may be a conspiracy theory, but Is I'm this confirmed
1: you, somewhere? Do you have links or are you just making stuff up? I'm not making stuff up. This is firsthand experience. So it's anecdotal. It's anecdotal yeah okay, thank you thank you because I'm used to Twitter and Facebook and I need to parse between oh yeah statistics, real data and anecdotal and,
0: and you know from a standpoint of I don't believe anything anymore on the internet
1: <laughs> that's fair <laughs>
0: I mean it's uh, aluminum shortage is impacting breweries it's impacting the the bottle distributors of Pepsi Coke you know. All that line, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. So another thing, so our Mountain Dew Zero, we can def- we can only get
1: in probably the two liters. No, I usually buy. Well, for work, I buy it in the bottles.
0: Plastic, we got plenty of plastic. Oh, we can make that like crazy, man. But if we're recycling, why do we have a? Sh- I I don't understand it. I just I'm just here to play games. That's that's my job. And have some ice cream and, and eat some ice cream. I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>
1: Appreciate you listening. (laughs) So were we right? Was it the best show of all time? No, I I told you it wasn't going to be the best show of all time. I thought it was going to be a typical show. So I don't know. I'm sorry if I got your hopes up, everybody. You probably thought, oh, he's faking us out. This really is going to be the best show of all time. Well, now that you've heard it, see, uh, it was not.
0: Probably the best show ever for rolling dice and taking names. I mean, it'd be interesting for me to do the survey of the interviews we've done, but I think the best show is number 100.
1: Uh, that was the game show, wasn't it?
0: That was the game show with all our special guests and we did the match game. That was, that was a solid show.
1: That was a solid show. And you know what? Last year's Gen Con show was a solid show. The, the big round table of everybody coming in and talking. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Where it was the blue peg, pink peg and you. Yeah.
1: Well, So basically what we're saying, everybody, is our best shows are those that don't involve us. <laughs> That's the summary of it. That's the way it goes. If, if we have guests on, you might want to listen because it's probably going to be better than normal.
0: Just keep rolling dice.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I just dropped that lead weight on you, didn't I? Yep. <laughs> and taking names. <laughs> everybody thanks for listening once again and if you want to follow us on twitter dyson names instagram dyson names follow us on facebook hey we still got our discord channel up and running we've crossed 100 members come hang out with us tell what kind of lawnmower you got share your food pictures we'll talk to you next episode hey uh you know we're supposed to have a stinger here right yep The Broken Token is always looking to come out with new organizers to take care of your organizing need. One of their latest ones is the Nation's Organizer. You know that big old Civ game, that big box with all the bits and the tokens and the cards and everything? Wouldn't you like a great way to be able to sort that out? And when you wanna play it, you pull out these stackable trays and these removable player trays, and you're set up and you're ready to go as quick as possible then you want to go check out the nation's organizer over at thebrokentoken.com and while you're there make sure to check out all their other goodies such as terrain pieces and dividers and other game components again to find out more go to thebrokentoken.com